This is episode 58, and we're back for another season. Um, season premiere. Season premiere. Pew, 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 pew. And uh, we're, we're, we're here. We're doing a special edition of Anima. We've, it's something that's been a long time coming. That sounded so awkward, but it wasn't. What was happening in the background was Eric was passing a mic, and we were watching expectantly, and then the person that received the mic kept their dumb mouth shut. Yeah. Why well, is your show? What do you want from me? <laughs> an, I don't know. An introduction? Good morning, Gus. Good, Good morning. morning, Gavin. Hello. You don't know about this, Gav, but we have been planning this episode of Anma for four months. Yeah. Maybe longer. Maybe longer. It. We were scheduled to come, and the <laughs> last time we were scheduled to come here, and it was all ready to go, and then Gus somehow got COVID, I believe. Yep. From someone who's sitting right next to me <laughs> recording the episode of Anma. I Anmo. mean, it's possible he got it from me. I've also had COVID in the past, but it's possible he got it from anybody on Earth. It doesn't but have no, to it, but me. it is possible I could get it from anyone on Earth. It is 100% truth I got it from the person <laughs> sitting to my left, though. The person who gave it to me was also spent a, f a fair few months trying to deny that there was, it was clearly there. <laughs> no, I 100% gave it to him. <laughs> there, there, there was no doubt about it. But yeah, so we were supposed to come back then. I think we even teased it on that episode of Animal. We like, we're going to we have a special thing next week, and then we got COVID. And it's <laughs> like Sunday night, we had to cancel it last so, minute. So your plan was to come here and have dog shit espresso so, made by me yeah we yeah we 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 have uh espresso made by gavin here today and i gotta say you know 58 episodes of anima mm -hmm. this has been the uh the slowest the longest amount of time it's taken us to get a a, a coffee you really need to work on yeah on well i had here. to get everything warm you know uh, it's a lot, a lot of the time when shops open they expect their customers to walk in the <laughs> So we just kind of rang the doorbell and showed up this morning. Gavin had no idea we were going to be here. I just looked at Meg. I was like, what is this? <laughs> uh, that was what we were going for. Yeah. We wanted to. We wanted surprise and <laughs> our delight. Yeah, we, uh, we got out of the car and I turned to Eric and I was like, should we start recording now? Like, <laughs> should we just like be doing the episode as we walk up and <laughs> with a ding dong? Yeah, just get the whole thing uh, on on audio. We decided against that. We decided just to wait until we decided to wait forty five minutes for our espresso. <laughs> Gavin, you are, I think, officially the fourth guest we've had in fifty eight episodes of this podcast. You follow in the footsteps of Frank, Becca, and Jason. Wow, Becca's really getting around. <laughs> Do you want to reframe that? <laughs> no, I'm good with it. She, she, she did this one first. I didn't That's know good. she uh, she did the the crisps thing with you guys. It wasn't planned. She just walked by and oh. we saw her and we ushered her in, and it turned out great. Everybody loved it, and hopefully she had a good time too. Yeah. So this might be my longest gap between podcasts with Gus in eleven years. Maybe I don't know if I've seen you <laughs> since like. April or May, we text every now and then. Gavin likes sending me plane videos. <laughs> There's a dude who bought a 747 and is like taking it apart and selling like individual little pieces. And he makes videos as he's like exploring the plane. Gavin loves us. He sends them to me. I, I mean, can you buy them for scrap? Is that something that? Is yeah. I guess that's what he did. He bought like a non-functional 747 and just like exploring all of the compartments and the stuff. I think it's super interesting. The The last video you sent me though was pretty gross because he's like showing the crew cabin and like taking out, taking apart like the place where the crew sleeps mm -hmm. during long flights. And he like picks up a vent and like under it is just like 40 years of dust that's never been cleaned. Ew. That's just been sitting there. It's like a perfect shadow of that vent. It was really gross. I feel like I'm always fascinated by like disgusting dirt videos when people like uncover 
nasty shit. But everyone always puts their hands in it. And that's, that's too far for me. Uh, He's always like fingering at us. It's like, well, it was interesting before you made it really gross. <laughs> that's that's like the, I feel like that's the appeal if you ever watch uh, Kitchen uh, Kitchen Nightmares. It's like watching Gordon Ramsay find something disgusting <laughs> and then stick his hand yeah. in it and smell it. And then like watching him gag. It's like, oh yeah, that's, that's what I'm here for. The rest, I, I turned the show off after that. Like once they start cleaning, like I, I don't care anymore. Is it after he cleans the rancid chicken out of the out of the walk-in, <laughs> oh, it's over for you? Yeah, that's, okay, I'm done. The, the show's over in 10 minutes. Nobody wants to see your new carpet. They're used, they're, they filmed the, an episode of Kitchen Nightmares in Austin once. Did they? Yeah, it was a it was a Greek restaurant. Uh, it's not there anymore. They've since closed. Uh, it's behind where Via Three One Three North Campus is. You know, there's like a like a bar or like a burrito. Is that place the one that there? looked Greek on the outside? Yeah, it looked real tacky dog shit. Yeah, yeah, that, that was here. That was, <laughs> it was right behind that Via Three One Three. And I remember he came and like did the uh, the local morning show, like the Fox Morning Show, to promote you know the Kitchen Nightmares episode that they filmed in Austin. And I remember they were interviewing him about Kitchen Nightmares, and Gordon Ramsay wanted to talk about anything except for Kitchen Nightmares. <laughs> like they could not shut. He just kept talking about Uchi the entire time. <laughs> like they could not get him to talk about the show or anything. He's like he's like, have you been to Uchi? Man, the sushi's there's great. <laughs> and it's just really funny, just him derailing the entire segment to promote his own show. Is it true that most of the restaurants that he helps just fall apart almost, almost immediately? immediately. Yeah. yeah. Well, they're beyond saving at that point. They're just like, yeah, it's a Hail Mary, and I don't think it, it almost never works. Yeah. I think it does, yes, yeah, sometimes, but it's... It's, it's like also like, if you look into it, uh, the other sh big show he does, not MasterChef, but... Uh, Hell's Kitchen. Hell's Kitchen. All my, like, you know, the... Every season, the winner is vying for an opportunity to go be the head chef at a Gordon Ramsay restaurant yeah. somewhere yeah. around the world. I think as of like, they're far much further now. I quit watching around like season 10. But I think as of like season 10, only one or two people ever filled those positions. Like it almost never works out <laughs> visa wise right. or they like offer them a payout and they take that instead. But it almost never actually I resulted in anybody being a chef at a People pick the money over the job. <laughs> sometimes that thing is just offered to them, or sometimes just like nothing happens. Like it just does. It's just like the, the person's going like, "Yeah, I don't know. I don't know whatever happened. I was supposed to be the head chef in Tahoe, and I just never heard from I, anybody." I ate at the Gordon Ramsay restaurant in Vegas, and one of the Hell's Kitchen winners was the chef there. Like they make it a uh, point. It's like oh, that's cool up front. It's like on the menu, like you know, and you can see the the person like walking mm -hmm. around. Like oh, that there there that person is. Uh, that's one of the worst cases of food poisoning I've ever had in my life. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it was the squid ink risotto. Because I remember, I've never had squid ink risotto, but I tried it there. Because I was like, it's the Gordon Ramsay restaurant. There's the Hell's Kitchen person. And I remember eating it and thinking, I've never had squid ink risotto, <laughs> but this doesn't taste right. And I was there for a conference for work. Oh, no. And I spent the entire next day running to the bathroom, like nonstop between like, Conferences, RT conference. Yeah, or? okay. I watched uh, you run out of a panel once to uh, throw up. I think. Yep, that was in Dallas, a Acon two thousand six. Yep, I was. Uh, I got very sick. Had to run out, threw up, then just immediately came back and got right, right back on. Were stage. you hungover? Uh, no, I think I'd eaten something bad again. I, I have a very sensitive stomach. It's very easy for me to. Uh, yeah, I'm, to get I'm, food poisoning. I'm the same way now. I, I think, think also Millie took her first steps of that. Oh yeah. I think you're right. Now she's 18, so that's messed up. <laughs> How old were you when we met, Gavin? Because we met back in 04, was it? Yeah, you came to England. We did that event in London. Yeah, so I would have been 16. <laughs> a, 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 a wee little Gav? 
<laughs> we we I remember we met at that. So we uh, I was there with Jason and Joel for that event, and we met you at that bar that was like right on the bank of the Thames. Yeah. Uh, you couldn't drink. You were there with um, your other friend, <laughs> but it's like me and Jason drinking, <laughs> and you were just like sitting there. We were just like hanging out. Yeah, it was pretty surreal, and uh, I th- I think it's all because like I was one of the only people that Jason knew of in England. <laughs> so he just DM'd me on the site and said, "Oh, hey, it was I'm- Jason who con- yeah. I never knew how you were there." He was uh, he said, "Hey, I'm all up by Big Ben and shit." <laughs> Because weren't you staying like in Westminster? Yeah, like I had no idea. I didn't, it was my in first. T- it was my first time in London, and uh, at the time the exchange rate was dog shit. So it was like two dollars to one pound. Yeah. That was such a great time to come here. <laughs> and uh, I was like, man, I just got to book like a cheap place for us to stay. And I like I wanted to book a room all three of us could stay in. I was like, I just need some place cheap. So I went to like the Marriott website, and I was like, where's a Marriott that's close to the the event we're doing and I found one and I was like this Marriott's like $600 a night what the hell I was like alright but it's convenient it's a Marriott no one's gonna get mad at me for like saying I picked some fancy hotel right I bet but, Bernie will but then we get in the taxi and he drives us to Westminster and the, the fucking Marriott is like a castle <laughs> at, the, at the base of uh, the London Eye right across the Thames yeah. from Big Ben and I was like oh we are in the like if you ever watch a movie and they do an establishing shot of London the hotel we stayed at is in that establishing shot I was like oh somehow just like randomly picking a Marriott I picked a fucking castle <laughs> in the middle of London yeah it's probably amazing you didn't see like a James Bond being filmed right. <laughs> uh, so and then the, so we ended up meeting right uh at a bar like right uh at that hotel should we should we cover that gav how how is it because you are all of our oldest friend at this point how is it that we know you? How did you meet us? How I'm did you a, discover I'm a fan. us? How did we discover you? So that guy that you met, Gus, yeah. with me, um, his name was Fairy. We, I was in a, a German lesson where the teacher didn't show up and the replacement teacher just put us all in alphabetical order. His name was Fairy, my name was Free. And he, oh, was, right told, he, he was like the only loser in the, <laughs> in the class. So he like nerd shit like me. And uh, he introduced me to Red versus Blue. And then I just... I think it was like around the time where a lot of my friends were getting into like booze and drugs and I just wasn't into it yeah. as much. You chose the nerd life? Yeah, so I just made a pivot to the nerd life. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was weird. Instead of like pivoting friend groups, I just pivoted to an all online <laughs> experience. So I was just very active on the on the forums. Yeah. And around the time that I met you in London was right around the time the, the new site happened mm. where we switched from the... The old PHPBB to, to yeah yeah we yeah we had that movable type template with PHPBB and then we switched to the the social site yeah and I don't really know why I was like a standout in on the forums I don't think I really was at the beginning I remember I remember you but why though I, I because just... <laughs> you sent me such a bullshit email out of all so <laughs> when when we read when Rushi started when Red vs Blue started you know I was living in Puerto Rico so I couldn't help with the the production of the episode convenient. So, um, <laughs> I, so I tried to help by like helping to maintain the website and I would answer all of the email that was sent in. I take care of like processing PayPal transactions, getting people access to the forums. And I was basically, I was customer service. And I remember I was sitting at my desk at my computer in Puerto Rico and I was like, 
plowing through all of the emails we get. And I got an email from some kid who was like, hey, can I get a free sponsorship and free access to the premium stuff on the website? My parents were just in a car crash and died. And uh, I said, uh, uh, <laughs> I'm having a really hard time. <laughs> I think I just replied, haha, fuck off, pay the $20. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I, 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 don't, I think it was just on the forums, too. I think I just made a new thread. I was like, hey, my entire family got wiped out and it's my birthday. Can I have free sponsorship? <laughs> Because <laughs> I, I like I just couldn't afford it at the time. I didn't have any money, like oh. zero money. Oh, and uh, and you you told me to do one. And I was like, all right, better start saving up. <laughs> and I think I became a super sponsor, yeah. which was twenty bucks, yeah, for the year or for the season, for the season. For the season. Yeah. And uh, that was like a month later. So yeah, I do. Uh, out of all of the messages <laughs> and emails and everything, I do remember having a very early contact with Gavin while I was still in Puerto Rico, sitting at my computer. <laughs> but somehow you got money because. <laughs> the thing that I remember the most about you in those early days is I was running the store. I ran the store for the first seven years of the company, right? Yeah. And so I would always launch a DVD or a T-shirt or whatever. And the thing that was crazy is that we were in different time zones. You were six or seven hours ahead of us. Yeah. And we would, no matter what time of day, I would launch a DVD or a, a, a messenger bag or a hoodie or whatever it was. You were the first person to buy it to the point where I would go to Gus and I'd be like, "Let's see if it's it's let's see if it's the British kid again." And then we put it for sale. And then like, do 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 do, it'd be you. And be like, "How the fuck do you know?" Like, did you have a camera in our office at all times? It was insane. And not too long after that, you saved us. You saved the fucking company. Do you remember that? Oh, when the took over the should probably like, bleep that <laughs> when, when that when na when that bleeped name, uh, who was a who was a uh, a mod on the site demodded all of the staff yeah. and took the site over and you caught it and stopped it. They I found afterwards because they made like a secret chat when they were where they were planning the big takedown and all of them were like, "How do we get around Gav? Like he's always <laughs> on, he's always online," and then they all decided to start distracting me. So that, like right before that happened on AIM, like six different people started talking to me. I was like, what's going on here? So yeah, I was demodded. Yeah, someone with mod access on the old website demodded all of the mods and staff and then started deleting everything on the website, like just going through a purge. Um, which they thought was a funny prank. Which, they you know, almost got themselves into a lot of legal trouble. Do you know to this day, he still doesn't think it was a big deal. I spoke to him maybe five years ago. It was a huge And he was like... Deal. I mean, Look, it was just a funny joke. And I was like, the, 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 do you realize what they had? The fucked up thing was the timing, too. Because it was right before Christmas. It was December. It? We were wrapping up like our last day of production. We're like, we're going to finally be able oh, to take like a week off. Oh, my God. And then all of this happened. And it was like, man. And, the, you know, their their defense was, oh, you can just restore from backups. It's like, we never really knew if the backups worked. It's like we had backups in theory. But at the time, it was me managing all the tech. Yeah. And it was like, <laughs> I don't know how to back up a SQL database. Like... Um, so, you know, they did work, but they hadn't run like in a week, if I remember right. So it's like we had to back up from seven day old archive. Um, it sucked. Yeah, it I remember really it sucked. coming back and it was, you know, it's kind of like a bunch of glitches that happen when mm -hmm. everything's back in time and like all the images that were uploaded in that week were just showing up as blanks. And right. It was, like, it was like kind of all funky looking, but I remember just instantly aiming everyone. I was just like, hi, 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 <laughs> at the company, be like, uh, everyone get on the site. Yeah, that's, uh, we were still at the apartment down in Buda. We were like wrapping up. It's like, man, we're almost done. We'll be able to take some time off. Because we talked about how it was impossible to take time off back then. And that was the worst possible time. It was the worst possible time. And it could it, it was very nearly 
very extremely revenue affecting. Yeah. I think that's the only thing that saved it from from getting legal real quick. I can't remember if this worked. It might have been like someone else with admin access like gave my mod back to me. But I remember going into the page and taking the link that changes mod status back to mod. And I remember like pasting that to people on uh, AIM to be like, to hey, have, you seen, have yeah. you seen what's happening? Hoping that they would click it because they're now a mod, making yeah. me a mod so I can. Yeah, that's funny, that's I really was, like, smart. Trying to, I was trying to like combat the attack while all you guys with admin could potentially do more, but yeah. I don't yeah. know if that ever worked. I don't think I- It's smart, it's a good idea. Look to the mod report. Dude, you endeared yourself to us so much that day. You <laughs> <laughs> really did. Yeah, As if you hadn't already, but goddamn, man. It's weird though, because it's such a formative time. I feel like late teens is where the thing you're into then is the thing that will stick with you and be nostalgic forever. And I think it was just like red versus blue was the main thing I cared about for all of those years. Yeah. So I just was, I, I was really excited to become a bigger part of it when I did. And then you came and visited America one summer when you were 18 or 17? Yeah, something like that. With your dad? Yeah. <laughs> and you met us in New York where we went, we had, we did a show at the, the Lincoln Center. Lincoln Center. That was January 05? I want to say it was, or was it 04? August 05. Yeah. Or was it August? I thought it was, it was like right January. before Katrina, I think. <laughs> when was that? Man. <laughs> yeah, it would have been before Katrina. Well, but right before Katrina was a PAX, because I remember we were flying out of Seattle. Though. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird to be talking about all this stuff. No one, else, no one else talks like this. Katrina was right. It was right around when PAX was. I, I know, because Bernie <laughs> would always tell that story how yeah. we found out about Katrina from a dude who was dressed up as Cloud Strife with a giant sword. Because <laughs> we've been at the event all weekend, and, and then like, it wasn't a big deal for days, and then it was a huge deal yeah. all at once. Yeah, the Fukushima, that Fukushima disaster—that was PAX East. I remember that. that yeah. was, we were next to you at PAX East, and that happened. We got a call from my girlfriend at the time because her brother lived in Japan, and she's like, "You're never going to believe what's going on right now." And I'm like, "Guys, fellas, fellas, fellas!" I do remember that. It is weird the things that you in this industry set as like the landmark things you were doing at that time. It's like, ah. Oh. It was right, right before RTX. So. And then you can also judge the, the time, like what time of year was it? Like, oh, it was PAX. So it must have been August, yeah. like late August, early September. Or... So that was the thing where some other community member made me stand up because I traveled all the way from England to watch Red vs. Blue that I'd already seen. <laughs> in the, in the, uh, made you stand up in the audience? Yeah. And then uh, in front of how many people were in the stage? There's in the uh, stage, a few like hundred, hundred, couple yeah, hundred. Yeah. yeah. And then I stood up and then you, inf and this is, I was really shy at the time. Like I really hated Anyone looking at me. And you told everyone that my fly was down when I stood up. Why did I tell them that? My fly was down. <laughs> you stood up, I'm like, Gavin Free, and I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, he came all the way from England. Dude, your fly's down. <laughs> he came all the way from England to show you his penis. <laughs> and I'm filming it on a camcorder, I think. And I'm just like, oh shit. Oh my God. And here we are, 100 years later, <laughs> drinking coffee on your back porch. Yeah, I never thought I'd, <laughs> I'd be making you all espresso at my house in America. <laughs> what a ride. I don't know if you remember this. I, I wanted to, to step back a couple of steps here. There, there was actually another person in the UK who, much like Gavin, also bought everything as soon as you put it on the store to the point where we were like, hey, we'll send you the stuff. Like, you've, you've already bought so much stuff. Yeah. When we make something, we'll just send it to you because you've already there like... They, there they, were a few they would send like, that like they the would years. send money like randomly or like pay way more for a sponsorship than it should have been. And we like 
stop. We'd be like, stop, stop. We'll just like send you've you supported stuff. us enough. Let us support you a little bit. Yeah, and we we're just like so grateful for that. Uh, I don't know what it was about the UK <laughs> when you guys uh, <laughs> like something, you uh, you really you really like it. Um, that, but I don't know if you remember I, that name was always stuck with me because it was such an unusual name. It was. I do remember that name. It, yeah, it was like such a weird name. I was always like, this is like some kind of Bond villain. <laughs> <laughs> Well, they had Bonville and money, thank God. Yeah, it was it was crazy how we would all just wait around on the forums for like three minutes of new video to come out, and then there was the gap between seasons where I think between season one and two, nothing came out. Nothing. No. It was just like we were all just hanging around waiting for the, and that was so frustrating too because y'all were being very patient. And the reason we have a community site, the reason we started RT Comics, uh, the reason we started the Strangerhood, because we had these gaps and we were watching our audience go away. A lot of them go away and we were just like, we hope they come back. But the frustrating thing about that is we stopped production on episode 20 or whatever. And then the DVD production started. And then we were also behind the scenes at that time. Almost from day one, we were making videos for corporate gigs, right? For GameStop, for Microsoft. And but so... Back Revers then it was all the Xbox kiosk Xbox stuff. Xbox kiosk stuff. It never stopped for us. Like, y'all were like, okay, season one's over. Now we have to wait six months for season two. But we were like, we were still making one or two or three videos a week every fucking week. Y'all just never saw them. Or every once in a while, somebody would find them, you know? Uh, but I, I, I always remember thinking, like, that was a bummer for me because the work never stopped. And we never stopped making the product. We just only got to show you some of the product. Yeah. You know? And I always felt weird. And even through the DVD production, you still made a shitload of bonus stuff for the DVD. You're right. Like yeah. I remember, because I eventually got to work on some of that for, it might have been the season five DVD where yeah, it was I five. cut together a previously on Red versus Blue by watching every episode and just clipping out every swear word from every episode. Oh, right. That was a great one. And uh, yeah, that was like one of the first things I did. And I just remember being, I was like, man, this is so cool. I get to watch and work on Red versus Blue at the same time. DVD production for those first six seasons of Red vs. Blue, I would say, was probably the most fun and cha simultaneously challenging thing I have ever done in my life at the same time. Like, it was so much fucking fun, and it was so exciting, because you would go like, what else can we add? And then somebody would have an idea, and then that idea would snowball, and then we were making that idea, and it was always a nightmare to make, but it was so fucking great, and we just couldn't, we got addicted to Easter eggs. We wanted Red vs. Blue DVDs to have more extra content than any other DVD on the market. And so we would put 40 or 50 Easter eggs in DVDs. Like, it was lousy with them. It was impossible to miss them. There were so many. They were crammed in everywhere. But it sucks to cram it all on a five-gig disc. Yeah. Right? yeah. Because like you, you, eventually you're like, we have to stop. I know. You have to stop. <laughs> we have to fucking just finish this thing. And I didn't it like out. to stop. I wanted to keep tinkering forever. I, I wanted to stop all the time. I was like, it's enough. It's done. Well, and then it would be like, all right, I think this is the this is the the disc. And then you have to test it in all the different yeah. DVD players around the world. Bernie would be like, I think we have a release candidate, and then everybody would have to take it home and watch it again. He started shipping me them to be like, make sure uh, this works in like a region two Xbox yeah. or whatever. Something yeah. like that. Because they were region zero, I guess. Yes. Were, yeah, and there was no rhyme or reason free. to it. You know, it was really frustrating. <laughs> yeah, like, process. Uh, the the DVD authoring software was really interesting because you saw how simple the whole thing was. Like it was just like a series of scripts that DVD players run, and they all look at the scripts differently. Like sometimes it'll work fine in every player. Sometimes it's like half the players it works, half the players it doesn't. And it's just just trying to test out as many different manufacturers as possible. It sucked. And I remember like some of the secret. Menus to get to an Easter egg would 
act differently on different yes. players. Like sometimes those fake buttons would like interrupt where the cursor went on a mm -hmm. menu. Be like, yeah. oh, why is it going over to nothing? Or uh, sometimes an Easter egg just auto plays when you go to a screen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, which sometimes you, you want it. it. <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> but a lot of times you didn't. Yeah. yeah, it's like, does the player interpret? down on the remote the same as right on the remote like if you hit right will it go down or if right. you hit right will it go right because both if you have a vertical menu both can accomplish the same thing but if you're hiding something in there then it disrupts the flow it's just so stupid the whole thing's dumb <laughs> i remember a panicked moment when i was editing the previously on because i was sat at matt's desk i think and he always had like the nice mac cinema display and yeah. all this stuff was nice and I remember sneezing. I remember being like, and I, I, did, I was like, I can't sneeze on all that shit. So I just went to the side and I sneezed on the advertism mural, like on the dude's <laughs> face. And I was like, oh shit, I'm going to have a real Mr. Bean moment. I was like, <laughs> trying to wipe that. I was like, I'm going to smear the whistler's mother. Oh man. Oh, that's great. Um, so then we started, we became friends, right? We became like friends and roommates pretty instantly <laughs> we became friends and roommates pretty instantly but we had the challenge of getting you like we knew pretty early on we wanted to work with you and we wanted you to live in america with us yeah. right like it was i think it was immediately clear to everybody involved with rooster teeth that you were the perfect fit in every way to with us and that began the process of getting you to america legally which became Inc I gave up on, and then the, then Bernie took it over. <laughs> you, and, you gave up pretty quickly. I tried. I, I went and talked to two lawyers, and they went, "There's no, there's no hope." And yeah, I went, oh, and, I, okay. and the, all the lawyers I talked to on my end were like, "No, you don't. I mean, you don't do any. What do you mean? Why does America need you?" I was like, "Good point." <laughs> so, how did you combat that? Uh, I had to become famous. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just had to become like known for my craft, basically. Yeah. So you started the slow mo guys yeah. in some small part to get a green card to come to America. All right, that was in the entire reason. I, I don't want to take credit for it, but yeah, yeah like you, you started the Sloma guys to get to America to come work at Rooster Teeth, which is funny because uh, the Sloma guys are bigger than Rooster Teeth. Like the <laughs> well, thing you started to get a job with us, it eclipsed it's its us own thing. really quickly. <laughs> only yeah. on YouTube. <laughs> What's that? Well, it's only bigger on YouTube. Yeah, YouTube's pretty big. <laughs> <laughs> Your loved ones are complex, beautiful mysteries, but Uncommon Goods knows exactly what they want, whether you're shopping for mom, dad, teenagers, in-laws, or your best friends. Uncommon Goods makes it easy to find remarkable, truly original gifts for anyone. Uncommon Goods wants your holiday season to be stress-free, so check out their selection of thousands of items today. Uh, I was looking around. They got tons of fall stuff. I've been, I'm ready to put summer behind me, uh, stuff for Halloween or fall in general. I've been getting into baking bread lately. Uh, I've been eyeing a bread-warming blanket. Uh, that I think might work out really well for me. I'm going to maybe buy that after I'm done with here. But anyway, Uncommon Goods looks for products that are high quality, unique, often handmade in the United States. They have the most meaningful, out-of-the-ordinary gifts anywhere. The unique gifts at Uncommon Goods are made by small artists and businesses. They can sell out fast, so shop now, get it taken care of early. Uncommon experiences are more than virtual classes. They're unexpected opportunities to have fun and connect in new ways from tarot card reading, romantic map making, cooking, and mixology classes, and more. No matter what they're into, Uncommon Goods has the perfect gift. From art and jewelry to kitchen, home and bar, Uncommon Goods is something for everyone. Not the same lackluster gifts you find just anywhere. Uh, when you shop at Uncommon Goods, you're supporting artists and small independent businesses. And with every purchase you make at Uncommon Goods, they give back $1 to a nonprofit partner of your choice. They've donated more than $2.5 million to date. So to get 15% off your next gift, go to uncommongoods.com slash anma. That's uncommongoods.com slash anma for 15% off. 
Don't miss out on this limited time offer. Uncommon goods were all out of the ordinary. It was it was very tough because, I mean, if, if I have any huge regrets, it's not getting a degree. Yeah. I don't think I ever would have used the degree outside of more eligible for a, a visa and a much quicker process. So we had to go the really difficult route of... I mean, the, the visa is for people who are already known. It's for, like, actors who are from another country who are needed here temporarily. Right. But to, to go from not known at all to getting one of those is so much time. Yeah, it's either, like, four years for the degree <laughs> or become famous. Like, hmm. Somehow the famous thing was quicker. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, it's, it's really crazy to me how prolific it is, how prolific the slow-mo guys is, you know, even to the point where a clip from that you created is in a best picture winner <laughs> yeah, like can't. a bit of the slow-mo guys is in everything everywhere all at once yeah they licensed a little snippet it's like half a second i think i have something like 14 frames <laughs> in an oscar winning movie that's so awesome is it in the credits at all yeah that's so cool yeah because they like officially i didn't know it was a film because like a lot of movie companies have like weird names they never uh -huh. say the title of the movie so it was like hot dog hands productions or something. <laughs> when you saw it, did you recognize it immediately when you saw the movie? Were you like, oh, that's my set. Or did you have to Or were you blinking at the time? Yeah. Um I Did you know where to look for it? I saw it in the trailer, I think, because people told me about it. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, th like because I'm not really on social that much, I still I still find out about it through like people just my friends like sending me links to tweets and stuff like yeah. that. So that's that's even cooler. Out of all of the frames in that film that they could have used in the trailer. Those 14 were important enough to make it to the trailer, right? Like, this is like, yeah. this is yeah. what's going to entice people to come watch the movie. It's like only a <laughs> minute and a half, two minutes of footage. Your 14 frames made it in there. And I think every frame of it from the trailer is, is like the entirety of the, <laughs> the use in the film, too. Do you have any bucket list items left for Slow Mo Guys? Anything that you would love to do that you just haven't done? Because you've um, done, you filmed with like pre slap Will Smith. You've done, you've been <laughs> all. You've been all over the world. You've had a couple of. You've had a TV show in England. You've had huge, like big time shows on YouTube. Um, and there's definitely people I would still like to work with. Yeah, like I wanted to do a gag where I just replaced Dan with different Dans, <laughs> like just to have like Daniel Radcliffe in a video and just him say I'm Dan, and we just don't ever reference that it's Daniel Radcliffe. Like just little <laughs> gags like that. But yeah, great. like nothing huge. I don't think. Yeah, I'm just thankful that it's still going. Yeah, but uh, pays the pays for the espresso maker. Pays for the espresso maker and the and the bad beans. You you got you, you got to do. Uh, I mean, you got you got to set the sights high. Why not like slow mo guys in space? <laughs> Get like some kind of a There's definitely space videos, tourism thing. There's individual videos that I can't afford to make without sponsorships and things. But yeah, I, f I feel like I've I've been lucky enough to get round to a lot of it. But to be honest, most of the stuff I look forward to every week is still rooster teeth based yeah like it's still our podcast is like the main thing that i look forward to every week you can name the podcast if you want to oh yeah he's i assume you're referring to the face podcast that's the one oh, yeah great. yeah <laughs> has to be no offense to the podcast you used to do with gus but has to be the most fun and the best thing i've ever been a part of <laughs> in my life no offense to this podcast either but like damn all right well uh that's it i guess uh, uh no i love this podcast too but face is just like it's a i don't know it's like a perfect storm i feel like i just i'm so thankful to be able to make because i think that's all i want to do ever is just make videos or really it's just like showing people stuff yeah i think that's why i like the slow-mo it's like 
check out this thing that you've seen before, but look at how weird it is slow. Like, it's like showing someone a thing. And I feel like with face, we're just showing people Andrew. <laughs> like, look at look this freak. Look at how weird this guy is. Look at what this freak did this week. It's, it's, it's funny you say, you know, looking at things that maybe you've seen before, but like a slightly different angle. There's something you worked on years ago, uh, pre-Rooster Teeth. Well, pre your involvement with Rooster Teeth, I should say, that I still think about every now and then. It was that old Millimeters Matter advertisement yeah. campaign that the never one. aired in the US. I think it was like a, a, a UK Flinging advertising the tiny campaign. pies. Throwing tiny pies at <laughs> flies. And the entire commercial is like flies flying around getting hit by like tiny whipped cream pies. Like, <laughs> And it's like, it's such a weird... Yeah, comedic. Well, you know, comedic trope. The 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 whipped cream pie thing to be throwing like tiny versions at <laughs> flies for a commercial for cell phones is like so fucking weird. I love it. Do you ever wonder what your life would be like if you didn't come to America? Like if you'd stayed in England? Like you were already you. Were, uh, well, what's the like, a lot of people may not know this, but you learned how to you created slow mo guys in part because you were already proficient in high speed camera operation because you had got a job interning with a neighbor who wasn't a creep and actually turned out to be a good guy. Yeah. Even though anytime you at a 16 years old, you know, you <laughs> intern with your old neighbor guy, it, it typically goes wrong. It didn't for you, uh, which is you great. You at a bar when you were 16 <laughs> years old. Yeah, I feel like throw that out there. <laughs> I feel like right. somehow really all, throwing stones. <laughs> all of the, the dudes, the entire generation above me that I met when I was a teenager, it worked out really well somehow. <laughs> But like, so what was the last, because you you worked on Sherlock Holmes, you worked on Hot Fuzz, you worked on a lot of movies. Was Thor the last thing you did? Uh, I was going to work on Thor Dark World, okay. but then I wow. came here. But I think the last film I worked on was Snow White and the Huntsman. Oh, right. Yeah. Snow White filming and the Huntsman. some guy in armor swinging a sword around. Do you ever miss doing that? I guess you scratched that itch with Solo Guys. It, I it's a different realize, vibe. I didn't realize how often stuff comes up in conversation. Where I could, where I used to be, like, oh yeah, I worked on that something. Yeah. Like, hit, like people who are interested in film, I could like tell them some of the behind the scenes. So it's like really useful for conversations. But I don't miss the stress, and I don't miss waking up at five a.m. Yeah, yeah. And because like Thunderbolt didn't exist back then, I don't miss standing under a light with a pissed off electrician waiting for me to be done downloading the footage in the middle of the woods <laughs> before driving all the way home and then coming back the next morning at five. You don't miss having to be intimidated by Guy Ritchie at all times? He's a scary guy. Yeah. He, he, he was very, he was nice, but you could just tell you didn't want to piss him off. Yeah. But he, he's like so London. He would look back at footage that he'd shot and a lot of the time he's just like playing chess on the set. This is like his thing. He loves chess. But then whenever... Hey, we heard you got your ass kicked yesterday. I lost at chess yesterday. Yeah. yeah. Me Meg and I are playing battle chess from 1988 on. Uh, she was she, she <laughs> was bragging about it last music. night at Bingo. But um, he would always get up and look at the monitors and stuff, because because he like directs with with his eyes a lot of the time and he uh -huh. doesn't necessarily watch playback of dialogue. But whenever the phantoms cut, he would always be like right against the monitors, be like, "Oh bloody, oh that's fucking amazing!" <laughs> 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 yeah, but he was always a uh, very complimentary. And uh, there, there was almost one disaster on that set where I, I think I've told this on another podcast, but the cameras were, there was stacked phantoms, one, one above the other, one on a tight lens, one on a wide lens. And there was like a hundred meters of rail, called speed rail. And, they, and we would like set all the settings on the camera. The camera would go all the way to the end of the rail and then it would shoot back full speed while all the explosions are going off and all this other stuff. But once the cameras leave, we can't control them anymore. We still have the video feed 
but I can't change anything on them. Mm -hmm. And I noticed that they were about to call action and one of the cameras wasn't rolling. Like it was still, it hadn't been rearmed. Like I guess the guy I was with had like reset one of them, assuming it would do the other one as well, but it hadn't. And I and they were about to go and I was just like, store, store. And I just sprinted all the way up the track, like freak it out. Like I, I don't think I've ever been- Just to hit, a, hit a record button? Yeah, and I, I just ran past all the crew. I was like jumping over people. I was like running through special effects people. And I had to like reach under the weather bag. And I was like, oh, I can't hit the button. I was like doing this, <laughs> like, come on. And I eventually held the button. I was like, <sighs> and I just slowly walked back while all these explosions are going <laughs> And I was like, we almost had an absolute disaster. Oh my because God. Because the amount of reset and money that would have cost if we didn't have that angle. Yeah, that'd have been it. That's that's a it, <laughs> that's it, job affecting, I would imagine. Yeah, it's so bad. That's why you have two cameras rolling at once, so you well, get all the coverage you need. Because he was doing like a three hundred style, like punch into the tight, punch out. Like he was like doing zooms in post between the cameras. So if you don't have one of them, then I guess he's just stuck on the wide the whole time, and he's uh, never going to use it. Ugh, terrifying. I bet. Yeah, I don't. I don't miss that. You, you don't get that kind of pressure on face. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, there's, there's there's things I miss, and there's things that I definitely. I definitely love just shooting my own slow-mo now. Yeah. Well, it sounds uh, much more relaxing. You don't have to like do action movie montage, stopping the <laughs> missiles from launching uh, kind of uh, heroics these days. Do you still enjoy it just as much as you did? Filming? Yeah, slow-mo. Like the process. Yeah, I'm still, I'm still excited to watch the footage back. That's great. It, it's harder to come up with stuff now that I haven't seen it a billion times, but... I've just been recently taking more sponsorships so I can fund more expensive videos. Like we just flew to Colorado because I wanted to see if we could deflect a bullet with C4, which isn't something I can do cheaply anywhere. So that was like one of the times where I was like, I just took a random sponsor, took the money from that and just funded a new video with it. Could you do it? Or do I have to wait? You well, it's it's going to be out pretty soon. Okay. Up on the channel. <laughs> it's funny because I felt like Sometimes I'll I'll have an idea, be like, oh, Gavin should film this in slow mo. I'll be like, wait, didn't he already do that? And I was gonna go back and look like, oh yeah, he did that one already. Every, I, every idea I have, I don't even I don't even bring it up anymore. <laughs> I, I, I felt like in the early days, I, I would come up with stuff and I'd like I'd send you ideas, and you still hadn't made it, but now you have such an expansive mm -hmm. catalog. It's like I, before I ever that's why I don't ever text you ideas anymore because every idea I have, like, oh yeah, he already did it. <laughs> Shit, it's already on there. I feel like I'm doing that with all the plane videos. I'm like, he's already seen this. <laughs> he already knows that this guy that faked a plane crash is probably going to jail. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. So we mentioned earlier that you and Gus haven't seen each other since you were last on a podcast together, yeah. which was the RT podcast, which we, uh, I guess, relaunched with a new cast. And so you guys haven't performed together, which is something that Eric and I talked about as an aside in the most recent uh, supplemental for Anma we did, where we both... I think openly admit that we only do this podcast because we'll never see you again. I'm very much a recluse. It's not like an indictment of anybody else. That's no, of me. course not. Yeah, and yeah. I don't think either of us take it personally no. at all. But I know, and you and I have been friends now, Gus, uh, since 1998. 20, almost 25 years? Yeah, yeah, 25 years, 1998. And uh, I would say that our friendship is as strong as it's ever been, partially because I know that when we stop this podcast, we'll never see each other. Again. <laughs> <laughs> but I respect and understand that, the, the boundaries that we have. And, and it is, I, you're a recluse. I'm not not a recluse, but not on the level of you, but it just, it's part of why we keep, I, like Eric and I want to keep this going because I still want Gus in my life <laughs> in some tangible way. You know? Yeah, I haven't figured that part out yet. So I was like, going to say, no, you guys, no. maybe there's a new podcast you guys need to work on uh, 
to figure out. Uh, I, I tried to take, uh, I actually saw Jeff outside of podcasting last week. I tried to take him uh, flying, um, but the radio didn't work in the plane. <laughs> like we went through the whole process trying to we get ready. We probably two hours. Yeah, it turned on the plane and everything. It's like, oh, they, they can't hear us. We we can't go. <laughs> was it you or them? Was it the plane? The, something was wrong in the plane. Yeah, the, the, it just was the antenna was, who knows? Something was wrong. Just, they couldn't hear us, so we couldn't go. I had so much, I legitimately had so much fun not flying with Gus. <laughs> Having Gus explain to me, do the safety checks, walk around, explain the plane to me, show me the book as he meticulously goes down each item and checks, tells me how everything works, shows me the backups for everything. Then we get out and we go sit like in the pilot's lounge for a while because there were clouds and just shot the shit and listen to other dudes tell insane stories about people doing meth at work. And it was just wild and then and then you get in the plane and we drive around we drive right by elon musk little jet and it's a big, uh, jet. big jet yeah and then uh and then gus goes hey we're gonna take off now and they and nobody hears him and he goes all right we're gonna we're gonna go repark and go home now but it was so yeah, much jeff, fun jeff's like jeff goes why are they ignoring us and i was like <laughs> i don't know <laughs> can they not hear us like trying the other radio and trying like, some other pilot was like i can hear you fine uh, we were all, we were all hanging out the weekend and we had i think we had like a 15 minute conversation about how we all feel safe around gus <laughs> yeah <laughs> absolutely it's absolutely true are, are you worried about flying with me you're, you're, well, I don't know. I just, I got like, I got weird luck. You'll be, I, I was going to invite you next after I uh, knock okay. Jeff out. Okay. What? After he knocks <laughs> out. <laughs> to take care of Jeff. No, after, after I take him up and push him out of the plane and knock him out. So mentioning that y'all's podcast, uh, or you guys are no longer on that podcast. Another big change at Rooster Teeth that's happened lately is the Achievement Hunter brand is ending. And I don't think you and I have really talked about it. Gavin, we haven't talked about it on camera for sure, or on mic for sure. This was going to be my question for today, so we can just get to the anarchy question now. How are you feeling about the Achievement Hunter stuff? How are you, yeah, how are you feeling about the Achievement Hunter stuff? I mean, I, I feel like I've been pretty, I, I recorded a whole like fucking talk about it in, in front of a video this week. What are your thoughts on 15 years of Achievement Hunter? Did You were there almost from the beginning. Yeah, I remember uploading a lot of the, like the video game artwork to the original website. Yeah. Because it was about more about tracking achievements <laughs> it can but it comprised a big part of your life i yeah. mean you uh when you a lot of people don't know this but when you came and you moved to america to work with us full time it wasn't to work for achievement hunter you were working in the back with brandon and the and the live action crew and you were doing stuff back there and i think it wasn't i don't want to speak for you but i think it, it it wasn't what you had maybe envisioned and there was a period when you came to me and you told me about two weeks in to being in America and living with me that you were moving back to England. And I was like, wait, 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 <laughs> why? And you were like, I just don't, I'm not feeling it. It doesn't seem, I, I think I'm going to go back. I think maybe it wasn't the right decision. And I said, do this, come into my room, into the, we'll shut the door, come into the Achievement Hunter room and just spend all day with me and we'll just do stuff. And then you did that. And I really think that that's the moment that Achievement Hunter hit a different level. Yeah, because there was, I because I, I, I think Bernie envisioned me that I would just mainly do like main Rooster Teeth stuff. Do yeah, you're gonna be a big director and that kind of stuff. But there wasn't a lot for me to do in between. Yeah, and uh, for whatever reason at the time I couldn't work on slow mo there, and I was doing that at home. So I was just like, sh during the day, I'm not, so I just started like coming into Achievement Hunter, and I would just watch you play zombies or whatever before people came into the because we we arrived pretty early, so it would just be you and me in the, there in the mornings. Yeah, and I think at the time there was a different intern in Achievement Hunter. So I had to wait for them to go home 
so I could take their desk. <laughs> but I think like a few days after I arrived, we did, we were already doing the stuff that we used to do when I was visiting. Yeah. Which I think at the time I was just calling live commentary gaming. I didn't really know what it was called. Yeah, we were making Let's Plays before we realized what Let's Plays were. I remember being really keen during the Achievement Guides phase to do one live. And I remember being like, we should we should try and record the audio as we play. And you were like, well, it's going to be a mess to edit. What do you mean? <laughs> I was like, we could do this jump shot achievement in Left 4 Dead. We'll just like record us doing it. If it's no good, I'll just cut it into a regular guide and do commentary anyway. But it ended up being, I was playing some of it back to you. And you're like, it's the funniest shit ever. This is great. Yeah, you, prob you probably invented Let's Plays in that moment. And then not too long after that, there was like a four-player uh, Left 4 Dead one where it was the one where you try to get the gas cans and survive a board. Yeah, yeah. And I, I don't know that I was in that. It was like, maybe it was you guys, Bernie and Joel. I think that's right. It was like you two, Bernie and Joel. And then you and I did a Watchmen one as well, <laughs> not too long after that. And then we didn't do it again for years Yeah. until I started doing them with Michael. But they, uh, they were a lot. They're a lot more effort to edit. Yeah. And I think that was the problem. I remember we did like a pretty early ODST firefight one. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I was just, this came out recently. We were, you and Bernie were shooting a commercial for ODST. I think it was like the GameStop pre-order mm -hmm. commercials for games. I forgot about that commercial. Wow. It was and a we had, hard commercial. Yeah. yeah. And we had debugs, debug kits of the Xboxes. So you can like, you know, plop in the right skins and the, like unlock all the helmets. Enhanced and stuff camera and controls. But for some reason we couldn't like have an empty map. So you and Bernie were machinimating the ad in one of the rooms in Firefight in one of the maps. And I was just at the door fending off the Covenant <laughs> off screen. They kept, there'd be like a grunt throwing a grenade into the middle of the ad. So I'm just there, just like, ah! And we, we could get like maybe four minutes before I was completely overwhelmed. And it, I just loved the fact that I was just off camera fighting the entire army while you were just like, hey, so. Uh. <laughs> I, it's so funny because a couple, this came up a couple weeks ago because I had the idea uh, we're, doing gameplay stuff on the Let's Play channel. And so you and I have been getting creative again. And Andrew's been getting extra creative. Yeah. And I had the idea, Andrew and I filmed some funny stuff in Warzone where I was just, he didn't have the ability to capture yet. So I was acting as his cameraman. <laughs> and we were just trying to film a trailer for like a 2023 video game mixtape. And so we were just filming Andrew jumping through windows. But every once in a while, somebody would come and shoot us and fuck up the shoot. <laughs> And I had the idea, I pitched it to you, to y'all in text, that we should make the most dangerous <laughs> commercial ever or most dangerous video ever. We write like a three-minute video and it has to be filmed in a live war scene in Warzone. Uh. And Gavin was like, yeah, we already did that. <laughs> we did that in ODST. You were there. And I was like, ah, fuck. Yeah. It's, it's kind of invigorating though, being back in the, the creative mindset, but almost from the beginning again. Because yeah. we don't have to necessarily do what we've been doing the whole time. All we could just off. do... Like we would make it some weird videos. Yeah, like Andrew did a magic show, dude. You don't even you don't even know how weird some of the videos are as they relate to you. Oh yeah, I've yeah. I've heard little things, Snippets but here and there. I want to wait until they're done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would be better for you not to see any of those. Yeah, things. I assume it's not going to be great for me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's been really fun, and I, I think I've always said I don't really care where the thing is or what it's called. I just I've always loved making video game videos with my friends. Yeah. I like what you said there about it's almost like a, for lack of a better word, like a reset for expectations and for rails that you have to be like bound by. Yeah. It's like you get to like break out of it and just really try to explore and see, you know, what works, what doesn't work. And it's not all, all going to be bankers. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes uh, they don't and, work, but sometimes they do. 
And it's so funny because for so many years, you know, we would get that from the audience. They would say, we don't want you to play stuff you don't want to play. Just play what you want to play. Uh-huh. We can tell you're not enjoying it. Play, play, and we'd go, okay, we're going to stop playing Minecraft. And they go, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Hold on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, we want you to play Minecraft and GTA. No, we, we actually, we really want you to play these games. No, play these games. Yeah. But just hit enjoy it more. And I, like, I never got bored of GTA. I could have played that forever. The game's 10 years old now. I know. I played it. Or GTA Five. I played it recently with some other friends, and I didn't know what to do. So I was like, "We used to do this thing in Chiliad. We would take buses up to the top <laughs> of the Chiliad and then just drive them down. Maybe we'll do that." And I did that for a night with some friends, and it is still just as fun as it ever was. It's just so stupid, it's so stupid. We just recorded half the season of Face Off, which was just an idea that we had before all of this other. Hey, let's do Let's Play. Whatever came about, we yeah. were going to record two videos of a six video thing. We had so much fun doing the first two. We just went, let's just do a third one. <laughs> it was so good and so much fun. It comes out, when this comes out, it'll be one more Monday. So we come out 10-9, come out uh, October 9th. I can't wait to do more face stuff where we're just, not even being in it, watching it happen and then watching the stuff come together has been so much fun for this video game stuff. There's a there's a thing in episode three of Face Off. Actually, episode three of Face Off. Oh, yeah. You couldn't script <laughs> no. a better, more engrossing, more enthralling, exciting, catastrophic sports event than episode. Like you, it, it, I can't believe it worked out the way it did. Mm. You know, like it, the like the characters and everything. Like the moment it goes sideways and who it goes sideways. It's just it's in. I don't want to spoil anything, but it's just insane mm-hmm. how that episode plays out. I, I think overall. It feels right to be making content on there. Like, and I agree. You and I started the channel. I mean, with with the other people at the time, but I've never really had a huge absence from it. Like, I've definitely had a reduced. I have. Out, yeah, <laughs> but I feel like overall, I'm just. It's like a continuation for me, and I don't really ever want to stop making these video game videos. I, and I also, I feel like I still even want to find a way to make play pals with Michael. I don't know where it would go, but I don't really want that to end either. I hope. I hope that they'll be space for it on Dog Bark, their new channel. But yeah. if not, we I'll, can put I'll it on, do it on there. Put it on Let's Play. I have no problem with that at all. Because mm-hmm. I agree. I think those videos are wonderful, and and people still love them. And if you still love making them, there's no reason to stop. Yeah, and I, I, I'm also in, the, in a similar situation with a lot of people at work, where if I stop making <laughs> videos with them, I'll never see them again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's really sad. It's funny to hear you say like you you know you want to keep doing this and keep playing video games. As I've been getting older, I'm thinking about this a lot about how. What would it be like if when my father was the age I am now, he was still like into video games and doing stuff? Because I am now the age my father was when we started Rooster Teeth, which is like kind of mind blowing to me to think about. Uh, (laughs) Actually, he was one year older. So I'm almost the age that my dad was when we started this. And he was like, in my mind, when we started, like he was like so old and like, I couldn't imagine him ever doing this stuff. Like, I'm, I just finished Baldur's Gate 3 last night. I'm about to dive into Starfield. Like, I'm still, like, super into video games and, like, really immature things. Like, That's crazy that you could have a son that's starting a rooster team. Right, right. Yeah, some of the, some of the uh, Best Friends Today kids, I'm like, how yeah, old Millie's are you? Like the se- <laughs> Millie's like a year younger than the Best Friends Today kids. Yeah, like, we filmed that video, uh, like, uh, an, uh, a couple weeks ago announcing, like, the first changes and... Mm-hmm dog bark and all that stuff and like the running theme throughout the video was like nerf guns and handy people nerf guns and doing crazy stuff and i was like i don't want to shoot a nerf gun i'm too old like <laughs> like they're in the script like they hand like they're supposed to hand me a, gu- a nerf gun i'm supposed to take and i'm in the video i was like how old are you i think i'm old enough to be your dad <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, so some things, yeah, I have outgrown, but no, video games, no. It's always weird when you put like age things into perspective. I remember being 31 and I was like, man, I'm older than... I've been alive longer than Austin Powers was frozen. <laughs> it's like really like weird things to compare it to. And it just feels... That was such a big point. Like he wakes up from being frozen. He's like, all oh, this stuff in the world has changed. And I'm like, I don't think that much. Is, oh, I guess it has. Like all this stuff since I was born is like so different to now. Yeah. It's messed up to think about. It is messed up to think about. Yeah. Now you got nice 103 degree autumn days. Uh, you never had that when you were a kid. <laughs> Jeez, I'm, I'm sweating. It is so hot right I'm now. I'm so done with Austin as of yesterday. It, that yesterday was <laughs> when, the day that officially broke me. When we're recording uh, the, yesterday, um, the day before we recorded, uh, it was 103 degrees in autumn. And then at night, it hailed baseball-sized hail in yeah. central Austin, <laughs> which was pretty fucking cool. Uh, it's a, you get like the worst of uh, of everything Austin has to offer all in one day. So you're saying you were saying that like uh, you've never really stopped with the with the achievement hunter s content, and what now f- faces in many ways like becoming the spiritual successor yeah. on the gaming side. So it doesn't feel like it's ever there's not been a break or a gap for you. Yeah, I mean I've definitely gone down to you know, 10% of my previous capacity. But I've never been gone outside of, like, that show I shot in the desert for three months and all that. But that's kind of why Achievement Hunter ending feels okay to me. Yeah. Because it's like, at the end of the day, Achievement Hunter was just a name I came up with to give an excuse to do the thing that we did. And what we did has morphed into face, which is just a name you come up with. Yeah to give a, cont- a wrapper around the thing that we're doing. And at the end of the day, the thing that we're doing is you and I are just making content together. And you and I have been making content together every day since you walked into that <laughs> office, you yeah. know? And to me, it doesn't really fucking matter what the name or the label or the logo is. I what matters the is the quality of the thing that we're doing. And I'm just happy that we've never stopped. And I don't, I mean, I guess, I guess briefly, there was about a two-year period there when I stopped, when I became the executive creative director, and I wasn't, we weren't making face yet. Maybe it was about a year, and uh, where we weren't actively making stuff together. But even and then, we were doing stuff like RT stuck at home. There were there were things that we peppered in. But I guess what I, the, the point is, it like the more I think about it, the less it matters what what we call any of it. Yeah. I just want to get up every day and make you laugh. And be made to laugh by you and Andrew and, and Nick and Eric and whoever. And I'm I feel just, the same. As, as long as I have that outlet, I'm I'm happy. Yeah, and I'm happy, and I'm genuinely happy that the uh, that the other that everybody who was involved with Achievement Hunter got to go off and do something and kind of it, it, be in charge of and, and kind of yeah. lead in the way that I got to. Because at the end of the day, I created Achievement Hunter with a tremendous help from a lot of people, and and, and Jack was there from day one as well. But I get why people, like I wanted, I created Achievement because I don't want to make Bernie's Red versus Blue anymore. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, which is why you created the RT podcast. Yeah. Uh, we wanted to have our own thing. We wanted to be in charge of our own destiny. We wanted to, to produce our own deal. Right. You know, and I don't know why we, everybody wouldn't want that for everybody else. I feel, I feel like it's important every so often to do a little like gut check of everyone and be like, is everyone working on stuff that they want to be working on? Yeah. yeah. And when that's not happening for the majority, then it makes total sense to try a new thing or like, be that once again working on something you really care about. Yeah, I agree. Well, what a what a great note to uh, transition the conversation a little bit here. Um, let's let's talk about the coffee. That I was about to say. <laughs> so, Gavin, you haven't listened to the show. You've been saving it. Um, so we're happy to have you on. The way the show works is we t- we reminisce. We have a good time. We enjoy the coffee that um, we get, regardless of how long it takes. And then 
We take some questions maybe from the audience, talk about the Achievement Hunter stuff. And then yeah. we rate the coffee out of 10. Um, just sort of talk about the flavor, the taste, what we think about the place in general, that kind of a thing. So um, if you want to uh, start us off, uh, I don't know, Jeff, you want to talk about the coffee? Yeah. Uh, Gavin Free, yeah. the person, is a 10 out of 10. A plus plus. Gavin Free, the espresso maker, is a six out of ten. Oh, that's. I'll take a six. That's one of the lowest scores I've ever given. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you're a six. You're a six point eight out of ten. All I know how to make is like a a latte or a cappuccino. I still don't understand the difference at all. I I make really milky espresso drinks where it's tolerable. I cannot drink my own espresso on its own. <laughs> Why did you offer us espresso? I didn't. You said, oh, I'll take three espressos. Because that's all you Dip know how to make. What you mean. I could have made you some, some milky froth. You hate milk. I don't like milk. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, I'm going to rate the coffee uh, 30,000 frames out of 10. Okay. Uh, okay. Nice. Nice. All right. Yeah. There you yeah. go. Eric? I, give, I think just give it like a six and a half. It's all not right. bad. I've had way worse espresso. I'm not much of an espresso guy, but it was nice to sit and sip. Um to really enjoy some flavor there. Uh, where do you get your beans from? Uh, this is from a bag from a local place. It's called a uh, Starbucks yeah. Pike Place. <laughs> 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 yeah, you can definitely tell. Yeah, it just it it tastes like kind of burnt when uh -huh. it's just on its own. Yeah. But I can mask that with the milk. Right, but have you considered buying other good other beans? beans? Here's my thing. Okay. I know I know I can make a six out of ten with this stuff. And if I go and buy a different bag, it might be a four. Like I basically I know what I'm going to get with this. I don't have. I've not spent the time. That to is not fucking Jack Patillo reasoning if I've now, ever heard it. Now I know the perfect gift to get for yeah. Gavin Free. The perfect gift would just be saying the name of a good coffee bean. Oh, like a good brand. Yeah. Wild gift. Uh, you can get, I think Eric's a big fan of Barrett's. I like Cuvée. Barrett's a lot. They have good espresso, so they'll have some darker beans that are going to be better for that. Uh, I think anything that you get, you'll probably want a little bit on the darker side. I would assume. Okay. Well, maybe uh, in another... 100 episodes come back and I'll see if I've improved. <laughs> one thing one thing you can uh, I can promise you won't see it coming. Yeah, I guess not. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks for having us, Gav. Appreciate it. Thanks for coming. Yep. Nice to see you. <laughs> Thanks, Gav. Love you. <laughs>